You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. That would be me. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well as Ron, who is not permitted to talk. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. And we love to know what you think as well via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And for those of you that are listening via the podcast on Google, I, you know, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, etc., the last name there is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Coming up a little bit later on, a major figure in the Democratic Party went there and went all the way there. So where do we go from here? We'll talk about that theology Thursday next hour as well. But first we begin as we always do with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by our new conservative hero, Kevin McCarthy, who was elected as the upcoming House Minority Leader just yesterday. Here's his Liberty Score card at Conservative Review. Former MSNBC and CNN darling and Stormy Daniels attorney and subject of referrals by the Senate Judiciary Committee for Felonies and overall good guy with a great singing voice, Michael Avenetti, was arrested yesterday in connection to a domestic assault investigation with his ex-wife. I am looking forward to a full investigation at which point I am confident that I will be fully exonerated. Sorry, man. Believe all women and the charges are just too serious. And now, adventures in accepting the outcomes of elections. Here's Sherrod Brown. If Stacey Abrams doesn't win in Georgia, they stole it. It's clear. It's clear. And I would say, I say that publicly, it's clear. Let's check in and see what's going on at the border. <laughs> Jamel Roberson was a 26-year-old security guard who worked at a bar outside of Chicago. Over the weekend, he stopped a shooting from happening by subduing the assailant. From a WGN-TV report, quote, Roberson was holding somebody on the ground with his knee in his back with his gun in his back when officers from neighboring Midlothian got there early Sunday. When officers saw this, they shot Roberson. On top of all this... He was wearing a security guard uniform as well. U.S. bishops voted down a resolution yesterday that would have encouraged the Holy See to release documents in regards to embattled American Archbishop Theodore McCarrick. The Reverend Greta Vosbar is an atheist, and the United Church of Canada has decided she gets to keep her job after going through a heresy trial. On the topic of making tarring and feathering great again, a PE teacher from Florida has been reprimanded and is being relocated to another school after refusing to oversee a middle school girl who identifies as a boy get undressed in the locker room. And finally, a check-in on Broward County Elections Supervisor Brenda Snipes. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. So, we are now punishing the male teachers that don't want to creep on the girls' getting naked in high school 
that that's what part of this is so difficult for you to understand steve apparently that part <laughs> apparently that part um he's he didn't want to creep on the teenage girl's nakedness and therefore he's the creep am i am i understanding this right i think this is going to be a new page in the diversity manual you just have to rotate through this ogling seminar and come to terms with your own whateverness so if I'm a male teacher, and I do want to watch a, the, a teenage girl change her clothes in high school. I'm a creep. And if I if I don't want to watch her change, I'm a creep. You're no, you're a bigot. I'm a bigot. Yes. Okay. When am I not a creep or bigot? Do you oh, know? now we got it. Now, ding. Because it kind of seems way, to me like I'm yeah. just I'm just a creep and bigot. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, That's where we want to live. Social justice handbook <laughs> that uh, Todd just referenced. It's actually not a handbook. It's more like um, a, a wooden it, board. Like an Etch-A-Sketch? No, it's more like a wooden board with like uh, numbers 0 through 9 and like all 26 letters of an alphabet and then you... You put a little glass piece on top. <laughs> it's kind of like an Ouija board. That's 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 the social justice. Handbook. And you move it. You move it around a little bit. Yep. Yeah. And just kind of see where it lands. Mm-hmm. Wait for Captain Howdy to give you directions. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Is that yep. what we're talking mm-hmm. about here? Yep. Um, speaking of Captain Howdy giving his directions, atheist minister, anybody? She, Anyone? She. Yeah. Probably can't do much worse than most of the so-called believers out there. That that's are ministering. true. That's true. Give her a shot. What the heck? <laughs> it's Canada. They'll go first. We'll see how it goes. It can't be any worse. I mean, look at what, look at what some of the male-believing ministers are doing nowadays. Well, look at, hey, we talked about Look at what uh, they're figuring out there in Baltimore with the Catholic uh, bishops. Yeah. yeah. Right, explain- bishops. Get, yeah, bishops. <laughs> <laughs> right, explain to our audience that's not Catholic what, what this is. Is this an it's effort? terrible. <laughs> okay. Let's close in prayer and go home. <laughs> yes. What time is it? Yeah. Oh, we're five minutes in. All right. So we're off and running. Uh, why is it terrible? Why? What, what's going on here? Who's, who is, who's Cardinal McCarrick? It's a name that our, our audience is seeing in the news a lot. Who is this guy? Uh, Cardinal McCarrick is the former Archbishop of Washington, D.C. <sighs> he was a very out front the the last time we went through the priest abuse scandal early 2000s yeah as as a guy you know we got to take care of this you know we're, we're we're working on it we we you can trust us and sure enough it is now he is front and center of this next round of priest abuse scandals because he his nickname knowingly back then was uncle ted and he was just harvesting uh young seminarians to be his playthings uh, uh, and all, uh, and again, this was not in secret. It was known on some level by multiple people who could have done something about it. So all of the, uh, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, which is the, uh, governing body, I, I use that term, uh, loosely. When they do their job, they're the governing body of American Catholicism, basically? Uh, uh yes, it, I mean, it's, it, it's just, it shouldn't be viewed as a... A Senate. I mean, it's just different. I, so I just want to be careful about how I, how the hierarchy within the church works. But they 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 come together. They they vote on policy. I'm just simply saying it's not as binding as a a, a senatorial vote right. or anything like that. Right. Um, but 
they've come together in the face of the fact uh, that uh, the Pope, as we've talked about on this show, um, has been saying things like it is, it is the work of Satan for people to be accusatory of how the church is handling uh, this thing. Uh, they wanted to hold a vote on whether or not they should encourage the Pope to do otherwise. And they couldn't even gather the stones, the heart, the backbone, whatever. To, to the, write a blog, the basically. Soul yeah. to write, yes, to write a blog. Uh, these are weak men. I, once, I think I've said this before, but I once talked to a deacon friend of mine uh, at my church who is a man, I, he's probably around 70 now, child of the 60s. I said, so what, what is it going to take for this group of bishops to get the lay of the land figured out? And he was... Honestly, he, he said that they need to die. And he was just talking, it was a 40 years in the desert. Yeah, I was going to say, was there's, there's some precedent yeah, for what you're saying, talking about. Like, One more trip around the mountain, He was just right? saying, we, they can't, they won't, they just, they are children of the 60s. Their social justice cards must be punched at every turn. Uh, the, there's nothing to do but lament and be sad about what is going on right now in Baltimore. Mm. Um. Sherrod Brown, the Ohio senator. Now, his name's being bandied about as a potential Democratic presidential candidate. He, he's not one, by the way. Uh, he, he's not going to be one. Uh, I'll give you two reasons why. They're really one. White male. He has no chance to be a white male. A white male who doesn't hold elected office, like the CEO at Starbucks or somebody whose name's been bandied about, may have a chance, particularly because they have probably a crap ton of money they could spend in order to make themselves relevant, but a white male in elected office in the Democratic 2020 primary, there's a better chance, Todd, you're going to be the Democratic nominee than Sherrod Brown. Did you just put like some weird fatwa on me alive? On, that's... <laughs> but I think it's fascinating. I, I, I'm old enough to remember when Donald Trump was a terrible American if he wasn't willing to accept the election results. Do you guys remember that? Uh, yeah, that was a good Good, good times. times, yeah. I think it was like Labor Day 2016. You guys remember that? Aaron, you were really young back then. You may not remember. Yeah. It was like two two full years ago. Yeah. And, you know, a lot's changed. Boy, yeah. A lot's changed no since kidding. then. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't um, remember that. Your thing, let's talk Avenetti, okay? I have been so wanting to sin with this story. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there and be honest. I'm just keeping it real, kids. Oh, Augusta, Lord, make me chase, but just not yet. (laughs) (laughs) This is where I'm like, is there, if if I say this and I want to, but I know going in, I shouldn't. This joke is so hot. (laughs) Gotta have this joke. I mean, I I, I know he's not like a saint, but Snoop Dogg likes to drop it when it's hot, right? You know, and I've I've got some stuff to drop, okay? You know, but hell's hot, too, and I'm really torn here, guys. I'm a mess right now with this story. I'm a mess. Glass case of emotion. Yes. At the very least, holy buckets, is this cosmic. Don't throw stone. Man, I picked the thing up. I've fried it, I've sautéed it, I've boiled it, I've broiled it. I've done stone gumbo, stone casserole. I'm st- I've gotten stoned. I'm getting stoned because of this story right now. It is just freaking cosmic. This story, it's one of the most cosmic events I have witnessed 
in my, in my life, in my sentient life, not even in my, in my career. This is just absolutely, and you know what would be even more cosmic, actually? See, to me, the, the, the idea that he's, a, he's an absolute, if it turns out, he's an absolute flaming hypocrite. Well, let's see. He's already facing eviction notices. He's got, what did the LA Times also say? He's got millions of dollars in unpaid liens and bills yep. out there. Okay. Uh, he's filing false affidavits. Uh, you know, it's not that big of a leap, is it? Given, all, given what we know about him right now. Is it, would this be that big of a leap? No. Th- that would be juicy hypocrisy. What would be really cosmic, though? And this is where I, 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 I really want to test Martin Luther's famous axiom, often taken out of context. If you're going to sin, sin boldly. This is where I'm really tempted. See, guys, what makes this really potentially cosmic is if it's not true. If he's being totally railroad, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it uh, dig into enough of all of our histories? Our, all, everybody, seven billion people on this planet, every last one of us is a hypocrite to some level, right? Because none of us is perfect. That's not the issue. Even like, and then the, then there's the then there's the well, and then you have like the the intergalactic hypocrisy. Like Ted Haggard, the former head of the yeah. National Association of Evangelicals, you know, leading the charge against gay marriage while he is literally doing lines of coke off of a gay hooker's backside. Literally, literally in a hotel room doing lines of coke off a gay hooker's uh, bareback. Okay. That's like, you know, intergalactic levels of hypocrisy. Okay. But this is, this is karmaic. I'm not even I'm not even Buddhist. This is cosmic. If what makes this particularly enticing is if he's being railroaded. If this is a complete scam. You got you, you, you yeah. see where I'm going with this? Yep. I mean, given what his behavior has been and what the behavior and and the networks, MSNBC and CNN, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The rush that they made to make him a household name. No vetting at all. No title. Have you ever heard this guy's name in your life until a year and a half ago? No. No. At, at, you know, in the, at least with, you know, General Michael Hayden, making a, who, who makes a clown out of himself nightly on cable news, fretting like he is some teenage girl upset that One Direction may break up, okay, at whatever Trump's latest tweet is, you know? Um, and, and you watch that and you're like, first of all, dude, you were someone like you were going to defend the country. The Visigoths were going to come over the wall and we were going to call you. And you literally are sitting there with your, you know, Victoria's Secret Junior lingerie in, in a bind. You were going to defend us. That's my, every time I watch guys like this, that's my first response. I'm like, we're doomed if you're the, if you're the last line of defense is number one. But, but at least he has a title, right? He, he has some accomplishments, some resume. Where the hell did Michael Avenetti come from? Do you know? Here's where he came from. His only qualification was trash television needed a useful tool to continue its narrative. And without any vetting, without, they didn't, they didn't, because they didn't, it didn't matter. 
He was he was exactly what they needed, and they turned him into a household name in a matter of months without any regard whatsoever for who they were getting into bed with. And that ought to tell you all you need to know about what goes on in the newsrooms over there. That's it, right there, right then, right there. Well, that's why I call him the Trump mini-me. That's what they did with Trump. He is yeah. spawn of Trump. And they and they learned no lessons from that. They just doubled down on it. Can you imagine? The, the, the This is like the... Oh, we've talked about it before the movie 300 how they they the graphic novel they paint the, the persian hordes as subhuman creatures mm-hmm. you know the very like crab men and things like that we are going to continue to spawn out of control we had trump we have avenetti what keeps coming when when there's no discernment like you said as long as you you ring the right bell so they introduce Trump. Now they need somebody who hates Trump. He goes after Trump. This blows up in their face. They need the next thing to say. And it is going to get uglier and uglier and uglier. No attempt either. We all make mistakes. You know, it's it's the it's not it's not the committing of a mistake that makes you a bad person. It's the failure to recognize right. that you have committed one and then just to shamelessly double and triple down on that you don't care or you didn't when we all know that you did. There is no remorse. There is there is no there is no breaking away. There, there, there's no reflection, not even from the Jake Tappers of the world. Why why did we see this guy in our newsrooms for the last year and a half? Why? Why why we, we had no other and this is the thing about Trump. That is also, you're living, you know, you're living in a time where I really believe you are seeing something meta happening. You're watching, you're, I've, I, no figure in American history, and I don't know that we'll ever see anything like this ever again. No figure in American history has simultaneously more attracted more frauds and or exposed them than Donald Trump has. And whether it's the harem scarum of, you know, hackneyed, you know, surrogates he had during the primary who have all been outed to some degree of, or another of just being complete fraudulent, you know, human beings. And, we, they, and their faces were on cable news every day. Um, or the depanting of his opponents, the links they will go to uh, in order to, the, the shamelessness they will engage in in order to oppose him, the depths they will sink to in order to oppose him. This is, guys, I mean, this is... This is just this stuff is like biblical, man. What you're watching take place. You just summed up if you're going to vote for him, you just summed up the main reason to choose to do so and there's not even a close second. It's just to expose all of the lies and all of the nonsense. Uh the the, the way uh journalism as you said is drawn to so much fiction um and they can't uh, unfortunately the road to hell is paved with good intentions has become a triteism mm-hmm. but it he we are learning uh very much that, that journalism for example can't help itself because it so believes in its own 
good intentions. Therefore, it does not make mistakes. There are no mistakes. There's just trying over and doing again. This is this whole thing with socialism. Well, they tell you, no, it's not that. We just haven't been, it, it just been, hasn't been done right yet. So you just keep going and you mm-hmm. keep going. And that's my point about why, you know, no lessons will be learned from Avenet. An even cruder uh, Frankenstein monster will come out of this thing. Um, there's no pause button on this. Uh, it, it, instead of that being a tritism, we should hold tight to that notion that the road is hell is paved with good intentions because that is very much the nature of progressivism you're you're watching it you know one of the things you see a lot uh, in the scriptures is people judged divinely judged by that which they use to falsely judge others mm-hmm. all right um, do not be deceived this is the, Paul writes this in Galatians. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will always reap what he sows. Okay? And in many respects, Donald Trump is postmodernism in motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will lie with impunity. You know, just like in the last, he'll, he'll, he'll literally be confronted with stuff he said on tape and, and without batting an eye. I never said that. I don't know what you're talking about. I, you know? I mean, now he's pretending like he doesn't know Matt Whitaker. You know, his new the guy he just appointed, and you're over there laughing. That's so that's such a great analogy. Postmodernism in action. He is. He's it, like if postmodernism was put into a physical had it was incarnated. Th- this would be the incarnation of postmodernism. Would be Trump, except he's the opponent of the people who, who spawned yes, postmodernism. Yes, yes, <laughs> and this is why I I absolutely believe you are watching. I I absolutely believe he is a, he is. Um, an instrument that is being used by God. I have no doubt about that. None. I've never doubted that. I just don't believe it's the Cheeto Jesus that some of you think it is. I don't think this is the TBN way. That thing. I don't think that. I don't think he's your mosaic deliverer here. I, I think this is. Uh, uh, this is. This is a very uh, hedonistic, morally subjective brute who is who is plunging the pillars of the fish demon uh, Dagon down into the dirt. That's what you're watching, okay? You're watching. You're watching. It's noose. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're watching the jawbone of an ass being wielded by a very flawed, hedonistic, carnal man. That's what you're watching, okay? Um, this isn't. You know, we're not coming down a mountain with any stone tablets. This is just an instrument of destruction, and 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 you're watching him reflect back to them. Everything they have attempted to undo our culture with and judge the rest of us with. And it is downright biblical to watch to watch them get hoisted from their own petards, to to watch them reap what they sow. I think it's important we I echo what you said in terms of the allusion to, to Samson. Many Christians, ardent Christians, faithful Christians, but I think they they still open up that Bible, and it to them, it still has this ring of uh, a story that we tell our kids, you know, Noah, and we buy them the little play set and things mm-hmm. like that. And we never—that, Samson, ske- sketchy, sketchy dude, you yeah. know? Uh, I, I, and, and so we really aren't prepared because we have these rose-colored glasses. Yeah, see, yes. Samson's yes. not the hero of the story, no, guys. No, it's, right. it's God. And yeah. so that, that book— we we go to it for our salvation and thank God it's in there. But within that is 
a lot of horror stories that yes. are overcome. And so, dude literally had a dude literally had a, a had a had a rewards card yes. at the at the Philistine yes. brothel. Yes. All right, literally. So it was like is, the customer of the month, guys. So which is why we 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 go there and we try to put clown makeup on Donald Trump. That that's the Cheeto Jesus stuff you're talking to yes. pretty him up to make him a, a hero of the Bible. Um, no. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah, yeah, and I get why we're human. It's you know we it's it's we've made the the hero of the story the prodigal son in the parable because we why because we more identify with the with the wayward child who w- wastes his birthright says to his old man give me my inheritance which really means pronounce yourself dead that's really you know that's really what he is saying I, you're dead to me I want you to act as if you're dead. And and give me what I would only get upon your death. Let me go waste it all on on hedonistic living, and then you'll you'll welcome me back home, and I can act like I I I, I did a little remorseful, and I get right back. To, see, that's why we think the story is the hero is the prodigal son, and he's not. The hero is the dad. Okay, Jesus isn't telling us a parable about ourselves. <laughs> he's telling us a parable about the father. And and I you know my kid's been my son's been in a in a in upward flag football for the last six years, which is a national church sponsored flag football league. You know how many kids are in his? My son's name is what? Noah. You know how many kids are named Noah? Samson, Gideon. You know what I'm saying? And and I know I get it because but under we couldn't name our kids Jehovah, Jehovah, God. It'd be a little, it wouldn't be a little presumptuous to name our kids after the real hero of the story. <laughs> so we name our kids after the human instrument of the story. And that, but, but the point of, the, of those human instruments is not to elevate them to mythical status, but to see what a mighty God can do through even such fundamentally, systemically flawed people. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve... You know, this is why we this is why we compare uh, you know Trump to King David. No, your your King David comparison is false, and here's why: because King David was also a repentant man, on no level, at least so far in his life. That could change tomorrow because we do have a mighty God. But so far, seventy plus years into this, examples of Donald Trump's repentance, gentlemen, go. Thanks. Let's move on. Um, there there's no there is no repentance there. And again, King David isn't the hero of the story. King David is a shepherd boy, you know, living in the backwaters of Israel without who? God. God's the hero of the story. David's not the hero of the story, guys. God is the hero of the story. God's the hero of every story. And I, I, what, the way that this is, you're watching numerous accounts get settled. This is like the American political version of the of the of the terrible, awful, awesome final scene in The Godfather Part Two, where Michael's over here at his kid's christening, right, and acting as if you know he's he, nothing's happening, and they keep cutting to scenes of all the other family businesses just now. Suddenly, see these people and, and all these families thought they had gotten away with what they did to Vito all those years ago. And they thought it was going to be, and, and we were all making enough money and we were just going to all move on and we were going to forget the previous scam. And it, oh no, we didn't forget when the time was right. You know, the scriptures say when the time was right, God sent his son. When the time was right, Michael settled family scores. And you're watching that happen right now. And often it's, and you, here's how you can tell it's divine. 
because there's no four-dimensional chess happening. I mean, just watch, just follow Trump's Twitter account even this morning. I mean, you know, having another meltdown about Bob Mueller and everything. This is this is happening in spite of him. He's not the director of the play. He is a mere actor. Maybe has the lead role. I might grant you that. But an actor, he is in this nonetheless. You are watching people get their, their skulls caved in with their own idols. Yes. Their own idols are breaking their foot off in their backside as we speak. And that is something we as mere mortals, no matter whether we're the lead actor, like President Trump is, or we are the ensemble characters, as those of us down here uh, in the gen pop, uh, most of us are, we don't have the power to make something like that happen. You are, I have little doubt, this is one of the most powerful moves of providence that I've, that we've seen in recent American history, what is happening right now. You don't get this much cosmic justice happening routinely, daily, all the time. You just don't. And it's cutting both ways too. You know, the Bible says the scriptures are a double-edged sword. You're watching clowns on the Christian right get exposed. Well, you know, uh, Trump's okay because, you know, I think his adulteries are fine because I think JFK may have raped somebody. I mean, everybody who's ridiculous is looking like what? They're ridiculous. Everybody who's ridiculous is being exposed as ridiculous. And who's the fulcrum? Who is the fulcrum? Trump. So as far as I'm concerned, pass the Tobocorn, Commenso Festival. I'm in. Greatest show on earth. You know, uh, probably the biggest investment the vast majority of Americans will ever make is uh, purchasing their own home. And I, I guess it kind of would make sense, ironically enough, therefore, that that would be the target of one of the biggest and most popular uh, criminal uh, scams going right now. It's called home title fraud because what's changed in the last few years, you know, used to go down to the, you know, whatever the recorder's office was in your town or county, and they'd bring out, you know, all those files and things. And, and, and now all that stuff about your home title, it's just all sitting there, digital, online, which makes it easier to access from near to wells. And, you know, the other day, Home Title Lock showed me a copy of my home title and my signature, and it looked exactly like my signature, except I didn't actually sign it. Just to give me an example of how easy it is for someone to take that off your hands. Now, some of you might be saying, you know what, man, I'm underwater right now. These mortgage payments are insane. They can have it. Oh, they're not going to make the payments for you. They're going to take the equity away. And when you go to find out, hey, I want to get a home equity loan, uh, a second or third mortgage, or I'm going to sell my home and where'd all my equity go? Well, it's because they took away your home title and they've been writing checks that they get to cash. Your home title could be in danger right now. Find out from our friends at Home Title Lock. They will, at the first sign of anything nefarious, they will put a virtual barrier around your home's title. If you've got loved ones who are retired, 
their homes are especially vulnerable. They may not be the most tech savvy. Plus, you know, they're, they're probably have the highest home values, the most equity. If you've got a lot of rental properties, you could be a target as well. So get the free title scan and report from Home Title Lock. That's a $100 value. And they're going to give that to our listeners here on The Blaze and at CRTV. They're going to give that to you for free. If you visit HomeTitleLock.com, that's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, guys, I saw this yesterday. And this ties into an email I got from a, from a longtime listener viewer, Larry Amon, sent me a note yesterday. He said, just a thought from one fan. You used to say that voting for someone who is better than a Marxist will just get you someone who's only better than a Marxist. And yet I see you uh, and, and that you constantly refrain from being sucked into false binary choices. But the other day you said you would vote for McSally with her 30% liberty score because she's better than a Democrat. That's actually not what I said. That's not what I said. Did I say that? Is that what I said? No. 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 Nope. It's not what I said. That's not what I said. I said the reason... Um, and I'm glad you asked this, Larry, because and Larry has been listening since our original WHO days. I've gotten myriads of notes from Larry over the years, so I'm glad you're still with us here on the Blaze and CRTV, Larry. Uh, this isn't a the, the, voting for McSally is nothing. Is not even a, Martha McSally is a terrible politician. This isn't about her. This is about me. I would vote for her out of my own self interest and nothing more, because it is in my self interest to survive. Because her opponent, it's in her, she's her opponent, and, and many Demo, and an increasing number of Democrats, sadly, these days, at least in elected office anyway, have decided it's in their self-interest people like us don't get to anymore. And I, I kind of feel like I have a, a moral obligation as a man and the head of a family to act when our survival is threatened. So, so... The stuff that I used to warn you about, Larry, years ago, when it was just me, you, and a few thousand people in Des Moines, the stuff I used to tell you was on its way is now here. The stuff we used to say, if we don't nip this in the bud in five, ten years, this is where these arguments are going to go. When Aaron used to listen as just a little homeschooled kid in rural Iowa, wishing one day he could meet the great Steve Dace on WHO radio. <laughs> is that what I said? Yeah, that's not what they're I said. about. That's not, yeah, that's not, you know, that's not nitpick. Did I say that, guys? <laughs> um, but the stuff that we used to commiserate about is here. It has arrived. And I used to say to my libertarian friends, when I first started out, I used to have real vicious arguments with libertarians on my show. Because there's some real areas where libertarians and traditional conservatives, particularly theistic conservatives, diverge. But then we got to the point that the culture so devolved that I ended up forming an alliance with my state's liberty faction to take over the Republican Party in Iowa. Why? Because the clear and present dangers we were facing didn't afford me the luxury of having these arguments with libertarians anymore. And I, 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 I hoped that I, could, I, would, I would be afforded the luxury of having those arguments because it would mean that we're actually reversing the paradigm in the culture. So we are able to argue about the things that we disagree on. But right now, we are not afforded that luxury. Now, some of you may disagree. You may think we have not devolved to that point. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm not, 
We don't we we believe strongly in protecting rights of conscience on this show. As long as your conscience isn't telling you to do something that violates someone else's conscience or state of being, then you know, we're hands off. We're laissez faire where conscience is concerned. That's between you and your creator, unless you want to violate what your creator says is right with your conscience, then you make it everybody else's business. Barring that, that's not for us to judge. You won't stand and give an account to us for your life one day any more than we'll stand and give an account for you. I'm, I'm, so this isn't my, me as an, in, in, I'm not operating here evangelistically. I'm, I'm explaining because I think the audience deserves to know why I say the things I say and do the things I do. If I'm going to, you know, have a show and a platform like this, I think the audience deserves for, to see how I do the math. So I'm only explaining the math formula that I'm working out in my own conscience right now. And what I see right now, and the final straw for me was the Kavanaugh charade and character assassination and lynching. What I see right now is we are, we are now coming or at the turning of the tide people like me warned folks like you, Larry, about for many, many years is now here. Let me offer another example. This is from yesterday. Speaking at the, this is from Axios. Speaking at the National Action Network Legislative Congress or conference, Senator Bernie Sanders blasted President Trump, calling him a racist, a homophobe, a xenophobe, and a religious bigot. Quote, we have a president who is a racist, a president who is a sexist, a president who is a homophobe, and a president who is a xenophobe, and a president who is a religious bigot. It gives me no joy to tell you that, but it is the truth, and we need to confront that. Unquote. How did Donald Trump come to the presidency? Hostile takeover? Did he buy it out? How did he come to the presidency? How did he get, how did he get power? It's called elected office, which means Donald Trump, how did he get power? He was elected. elected. Who elected him? People. People. What are the odds? I don't know. Maybe they're high. What are the odds Bernie Sanders believes that Donald Trump is this person, but the 65 million people who voted for him in 2016 are fairly well-adjusted, stable, and he's empathetic to what caused them to be so desperate but to vote for such a broken man like this. And he in no way, shape, or form would overly generalize calling his, and believing that everyone or even a, a large chunk of those who voted for Donald Trump would also meet this criteria. What are the odds of that, do you think? I would, I would say with Bernie Sanders, I think he's— at this point, at this particular point, he's such a political animal. He's ambivalent towards that. But I'd say his followers, that's a different story. This is not a minor figure. This guy got 20 million votes in the last Democratic primary, guys. Okay? This is a nation, one of the biggest national names in American politics today is Bernie Sanders. Let's say, Aaron, you're right. I, I, this reminds me of a conversation I had when Ted Cruz was first emerging as a star on the right. And a, a friend of mine who's even more cynical than me, and that, admittedly, is a hard place to get to. Uh, but a friend of mine who was even more cynical than me said, I don't believe Ted Cruz is, is really this kind of fighter. I think this is all uh, for show, to promote his political brand. And I said to him, let's say you're right. That's still good news for the likes of us. You know why? Because even if he is an opportunist, even if he's a craven opportunist, if Ted Cruz is Ann Coulter, 
for example, even if he is a craven opportunist, the fact that he is gaining acclaim and, and popularity by doing the kinds of things people like you and I have wanted Republicans to do for years only further proves our point. See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. that, there, that you only get successful by doing these things if there's a large base of people that want to reward you for doing said things, right? Let's say, Aaron, you're correct. Let's say, let's say Bernie, is, Bernie bro isn't, isn't your true um, you know, opiate for the masses believer any longer. Let's say this is just grist for the mill and red meat. That's not good news for us. It still works for the mob. Yeah, because if it's the inverse of what I just said about yeah. Ted Cruz, but the math is the same. That's what I said. His followers, it's a different story. Yeah, if this is what gains the acclaim, even if this isn't what he personally thinks, but if this is what, if he did one of these, you know, wet the fingers and put it in the wind and see which way direction it is blowing out there, this is the way the wind blows, and he decided to ride that tide, I would argue that might even be worse. It might even be worse that the zeitgeist on the left that he thinks he has to tap into has gone to this place that he's going there even when he doesn't even believe it himself. I might argue that that might even be worse because that means the mob is out even ahead of its own leftist elected officials dragging them to the left top. I'm, I'm not only certain that that is worse, but I'm also certain that that's what's going on. Case in point, the same guy that now is so concerned that Donald Trump is a religious bigot, wasn't? it was just within the last year that, that he went off uh, on a congressional panel against what, some sub-late, what's the guy who was running Ross for Vogt. the- Ross Vogt, yeah. whose, whose wife, uh, Mary, is, is, is over at the Senate Conservatives Fund. Ross was going to be the deputy, deputy. Yeah. The deputy director of the Office of Management and Budget. Like, yeah. not even the chief bean counter- the deputy being counter, yes. And because he worked at Wheaton College and Ross had uh, Orthodox, Trinitarian, small o, Orthodox, Trinitarian Christian views on the gospel, pretty much whether you're Protestant, Catholic, or Greek Orthodox, these are the essential fundamentals that all three of those major branches of Christianity agree upon because he had written papers at Wheaton College, a world-renowned Bible school. Uh, because he had written those papers, Bernie Sanders said to him, right to his face, that he's, he's not qualified to hold a public office in America. And, and even trying to give, him the mo give Bernie the most benefit of the doubt, like let's say he was going to run HUD and you're dealing with people of different religions or same-sex couples. He, I wouldn't even grant that point, but again, I'm trying to grant him the most leeway an accommodation is like he's the deputy director of the Office of Management and Budget. He's just going to sit around and do actuarial tables all day. Yeah. So this has nothing to do with your concerned Ross Vote doesn't know how to love his neighbor as much as he loves himself. That you don't believe Ross Vote is capable of operating a Christian worldview within a pluralistic paradigm. You didn't even take the, that step. You found out Ross Vote believes the Bible and just said you don't believe in government. I don't care if it's custodial engineer. Period. You believe the you don't believe in the Bible. Bernie Sanders says you don't belong here. That's that that's really so, that's really what he's saying. So the reason for that contradiction can only be explained by the fact you will do whatever it takes if you're looking at the mob and how they are reacting in your little Pavlov's dog experiment. No, there's not enough uh, frothing at the mouth going on there. I I need to do this, and you will ring whatever bell.
is required to do that. So go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. And who are on the left um, for for their base? Who are the uh, Bill Crystals and the Charlie Sykes that are 24 hours a day, constantly virtue signaling back to them that they need to move further right because you know all of this mobby stuff is just a little bit. It's just a little bit extreme. Who are those people on the left? Do you, can you think of any? You know, used to be Kirsten Powers. That was the book she wrote a few years ago, the former yeah. Clinton administration official. And now, you know, uh, she's, she's you know, checking intersectionality boxes for Halloween and costumes. My, my point is not that it would have any impact because it's a mob, but there is no, there's no check and balance between um, their base and their politicians, regardless of what their politicians really believe. We know that on our side or right of center, the virtue signalers, they actually probably have more pull on <laughs> on our politicians, on their R, the people with the R's after yep. their name, than yep. their base do. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And so, Larry, I'm glad you asked that question. This is an example of what I mean. Um, the fundamentals don't change, but the circumstances do. And what I'm wrestling with, and I, I might be wrong. Again, I'm not, I'm not operating here evangelistically. I'm reacting to the reality of the world as it is. When it was only a year and a half ago, a Bernie Sanders volunteer loaded up and went down to a suburban ball field right outside the Capitol and attempted to mass assassinate a bunch of Republican congressmen. And if Steve Scalise that day as a member of leadership if his wife had called and said, hey, I forgot to pick up the kids or can you grab this at the store? A million things that when you're married, I don't, whatever your politics are, whatever your, your career is, a million of the kinds of things that can happen to you every day when you're a dad and a husband. If just one of those things had happened and Steve Scalise said, fellas, I, I, I can't come to practice today. I got to handle this before session begins and you know, I'll catch you on the flip side, which means he's the only member of leadership there, which means he comes with security detail. And if any of those things that can happen to any of us, just being a dad or a husband on that day, caused him not to go to the ballpark that morning, those men are likely all dead. And I think we have an Archduke Ferdinand kind of a moment in America with that kind of a mass assassination. And that guy was, a, was an avowed Bernie Sanders supporter. Unless you think that we're just parroting some sort of right-wing talking point. Bernie Sanders acknowledged that yes, on he the did. Senate floor, either that to day, his or, credit. The day yeah. or the day after. To his credit, he did that, yeah. A year and a half later, here's the reality. If you believe these are the kinds of people, not they're, uh, the, the, the kinds of people running your government, making decisions that will change your life, the reality is it's, 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 it's more intellectually consistent to take it to its most logical conclusion, like what tragically almost happened on that ball field that day in D.C. a year and a half ago, then pulling back and saying, but, you know, that's why we need free and fair elections and we'll let the people decide whether the racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic bigots ought to continue to run America or not. And, and we'll respect the will of the people. Does that, that's not a rational reaction, is no. it? That's not rational. So you're lying, you're lying one way or the other. Either, or, or believing a lie. You may not be affirmatively a lying. You could be, but you're either affirmatively or believing a lie one way or the other. You either really don't believe these, that, that people like Trump and those who voted for him are really that bad. You either really don't believe that 
or you do, and then you just don't have the balls to do what must be done about it. Really? Which, which, and I don't know which is the lie, and it, it kind of doesn't matter. Because if, if Bernie Sanders, you know, Van Jones is out praising Trump today for what Daniel Horowitz calls jailbreak, and many of our other conservative friends think is, is, is great judicial reform. So I, may, maybe Bernie Sanders really doesn't believe that. But the fact he thinks that then he has to tell an audience things like this, when just a year and a half ago, one of the supporters that might have been in an audience like the one he was talking to like this yesterday, tried to kill 10 men in cold blood at a, at a ball field. Um, that, Larry, I have to acknowledge that. I, I have to understand that the weather's changed. It's, it's below freezing outside. I, I can't, you know go out there in, in, in shorts and, and flip-flops to mow the lawn anymore. The conditions are different. I, I'm, I, I must dress accordingly in acknowledgement of what the conditions are. There's a blizzard happening. You know, I, I need to think twice about driving. I can't just go out there and put the rag top down and bust out the tunes and, you know, and, and take, the, you know, take the corners at 75 like I do in July. I, I hope, Larry, you understand where I'm coming from. It doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just trying to give you some insight as to to me this isn't about this isn't about Martha McSally. She's not a hero. She's not even lesser tweevils. This is about my self-interest. People like Kristen Cinema want to end me. That's what it's about. Hour two is next. So we're talking a lot about fake news nowadays. You know where you see it maybe more rampant than just about any place else in the health industry. Yeah, have you looked at those so-called superfoods recently? Turn the label over, and it doesn't say what you needed to say because it says supplement facts instead, which means it's not a real food; it's an extract. So, with the goal of creating a real superfood that is a food. Uh, designed specially to enhance your health and help you reach your full potential. A team of top physicians gathered to form Brickhouse Nutrition, and they want to introduce our audience today, live on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV, to Field of Greens. It's the first real superfood, and the difference that sets it apart can be seen right on the bottle when you flip the label over. It doesn't say supplement facts. It says nutrition facts because it's a real food. And one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real certified vegan, vegetarian, and USDA organic fruits and vegetables complete with those antioxidants, it's cold and flu season is now here, and antioxidants really help to boost that natural immune system. This is a daily clean green energy that fuels your body for a healthier and happier lifestyle. For a limited time offer, visit BrickHouseSteve.com and use promo Steve to get 15% off your first order. Again, visit BrickHouseSteve.com today and experience a better you tomorrow. BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. All right, we are back with Hour 2 here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. 888-900-3393 is the number. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Let's get underway with some Theology Thursday. And I'm getting this question a lot. 
And we did the uh, Facebook Live on election night because we had to be here anyway, yeah. uh, doing some uh, live analysis for CRTV and The Blaze, and we were following the returns. And so we just turned the cameras on in here and let people, whoever was on our Facebook wall, uh, just you know watch for several days on it or several hours on it if you wanted to. And one of the things I did was tackle frequently asked questions that evening. And a question I am getting a ton. I mean, I'm getting this email almost every day right now. And then... Uh, our buddy Bob Vanderplotz called me first thing this morning because a, a, a good mutual friend of ours asked him about this and was like, I am so disgusted, I may turn the show off. Can you guys guess what this is about? Oh, of course. What do you think it's about? Uh, Todd, can you move out of the way real quick? Yeah, move back. Sit back. Actually, no, I can, I can. Can you I do can it with him it. sitting there? Oh, no, no. I got to do the other camera. Okay. I'm a, I'm a broadcasting professional it, here. It, it, all right. It's, you, you, it's the rotating camera. There it is. You're right. It's that thing right there. All right. So I'm getting a ton of questions about this. And, and I answered this on the Facebook Live uh, on election night. That is not a Joel Osteen book. That's a gag gift. It's like a white elephant gift. I got several years ago from uh, a good friend of mine, Todd Friel, who is a uh, really a Christian apologist, for lack of a better description, and does one heck of a radio show. It's called Wretched Radio. And he was a guest on this show a few years ago. And we were dunking on Joel Osteen because he deserves it. If you it. can't dunk on Joel Osteen, well, he's got he does have washboard abs. I I cannot literally dunk on Joel Osteen. I'm pretty confident. Okay, I mean he's got washboard abs. Don't ever trust a pastor with washboard abs. By the way, he's got time for that. Probably ain't got time to be digging into that. You know what I'm saying? Just in general. Okay, but we were dunking uh, on uh, Joel Osteen, and and Todd just happened to mention. A rev, may, uh, that Joel Osteen had his own board game. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. Like you saw Trumpy Bear stop me dead in my tracks a few days ago. Like I, 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 there's no way this was true. And he starts telling me about what's in the game and it's got, it's about, it's built around, you got to find your wonder words. And I'm like, this is like, if like John MacArthur came up with a burner account <laughs> And, and began pretending to be a Joel Osteen fan in order to troll Osteen uh, with, you know, with his own uh, shallow, vapid, vapid, heretical ramblings. It would be this. Like, it can't be this perfect. And, and I really pushed back on him. I was adamant this game does not exist. I come into the office about a week later, and there's a package sitting in the office. And it's from Atlanta, Georgia, where Todd Friel lives. And I opened it up, and what do you think was inside? Joel Osteen has a board game. And we finally cracked it open, our first show on CRTV. We spent the last hour of that show playing the Joel Osteen board game. What about the game do you guys remember? Exactly. Nothing. Wanting to slit my wrists. Well, other than that, yeah. But can you, you, can't, can you remember what it was about? No, because it's about nothing. The sharing ball. Yes, it's it's about nothing. It's it and and so that is there as a gag gift. Okay, there's we're not uh, we're not team Joel. <laughs> That's simply just there as a gag gift. But I I think I needed to clarify that because I'm getting a lot of questions about it, which is good. And I was just going to say <laughs> yeah. that I'm glad to hear that. Like, I'm really happy I haven't gotten, like, 30 emails from people. Dude, I'm so hyped Joel that you're, yeah, you got Joel Osteen there sitting there. I'm his big fan. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't get those. All right? 
So I'm, you know, the ratio of complaints I'm getting about Joel Osteen over my shoulder compared to uh, praise, it's it's a hundred to nothing. Like no one has emailed me to say, "Man, really hyped to see you got smiling Joel." I'm really hyped as your elf on a shelf. I'm really happy about that. No one has done that, which gives me some modicum of hope left for America that every reference I have had to Osteen being on my shelf has been negative. That was one of the big debates we had with the editor um, for Nefarious Plot. Is in what context could Lord Nefarious mention Joel Osteen specifically and not open the publisher up to legal action? Because in the original draft, Lord Nefarious literally says, Joel Osteen's like my number one draft pick right now. He's like my number one. He's my number one guy. Even Lord Nefarious bends the knee to someone. Yes. And that would be your publisher. Yeah, and the, and the publisher came back and said, eh, I don't know we can put that directly. That Joel Osteen is an emissary of a senior uh, general from hell. Like, like we're going to give you wide latitude on this one, Dace, but I don't know we can go there. Wasn't the obvious answer, did you know he made his own board game? And they said, oh, I'll carry on. Yes. Commence over Festival. Hey, if I, I bet if I would have showed Post Hill Press the board game, they'd yes. be like, you know what? I think we'll fight this one out in court. He's got this one coming, right? But I, I didn't do it. Yeah, so that's why Osteen is there, okay? And, and I think that is an excellent segue to why we have been, before we made this move to the Blaze, where we added the Blaze audience, we decided to do something with Theology Thursday we had never done before. And that is to do an actual, real-time Bible study. And to do it without, like, stacks of commentaries or going through notes. Instead, we're going to be somewhat educated guys that are reading the Scriptures. And then we're not going to do this. We're not asking ourselves, hey, what does this mean, Todd? What's this mean for you? No, no. And anybody asked that, they're going to get punched right in the freaking face. All right. Agreed? All in favor? Say aye. Uh, aye. Uh, aye. Uh, unanimous. Thank you. Even the women in the audience like, yes, punch that guy in the face. Yes. All right. We're not asking each other, what's this mean for you? We don't care what it means for you, Todd. I don't, I don't care what this means for you on any level. And by golly, I hope you don't care what it means for me. All right. It, it, that's, that's a ridiculous postmodern uh, pap. No. We will ask, what does it mean? Not what it means for you, not what you want, which really means what do you want it to mean? Yeah. Let's just be honest. Yeah. When you're at a Bible study and they're like, what's this mean for you? What you really mean is, what do you want it to mean? That's what it really means. Take okay? up your cross and follow me. To me, that means that I need to live my best life now. Yeah. It's like when someone complains about our Liberty Score at Conservative Review, what they're really telling you is, why are you disturbing my self-delusion? That's yeah. what they're really saying. Yeah. Okay. So we don't ask what it means for you. We will ask, what does this mean? And I've been thinking about doing this for a couple of years and that I wasn't sure that if we could pull it off and I didn't want it to be too churchy, you know, because um, we do still have to do broad casting, reach as broad of an audience as we can. And one day I'm sitting at church and um, this, I'm sitting in the middle of worship and this verse comes to mind. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And that was like an epiphany. That was like when Luther read Romans 117. It was like, that's, that's the takeoff. Because, because it was that moment, I'm like, what do I spend most of my show pushing back against? This. And I would like to be able full-time to deconstruct 
the heresy of the age, progressivism. I'd like that to be 100% of my efforts. But I'm not permitted that luxury because we often have to do cleanups in aisle nine in our own department store here. Okay? And I think that's one of the things that Paul is addressing in, in the book known as Colossians. So before we made the, the switch to uh, adding the Blaze audience along with CRTV, we had been going through the book of Colossians, which Paul wrote in the first century to a church at Colossae. We had been going through it line by line, verse by verse. And then the move and the election, some other things happened, and some topics that were hot at that time that we thought we needed to address at that moment um, kind of took precedence. But we're going to return to the study this morning. And we're, gonna, we're not going to actually pick up where we left off. We're going to go back a little bit to kind of set the stage because we're going to have all kinds of new people today that weren't there the previous few weeks that we did this, all right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back just, just to kind of get everybody caught up on what we've talked about up until this point. I'm going to go back to that verse that prompted me, inspired me to choose this to be the book we would do this with the first time anyway. All right, so these are the words of St. Paul writing to a church in Colossae. And he says, again, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Now, how would we know whether something um, is a philosophy not worthy of being held captive to? And whether this is something that sounds smart, SMRT smart, like really smart guys, as my kids like this used to say when they were little, SMRT smart, okay? How do we know, though, that it may sound SMRT smart? And the person saying it's got a lot of initials after their name, and they're really impressive and stuff. But when you peel it all back and look at it for what it truly is and get rid of the big words and all of the syllables, it's empty, as Paul describes it, it's empty deceit. How do we know? Well, he answers that in the next expression. He says, according to human tradition. Human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of this world. Why should we avoid being held captive to human tradition? Is human nature basically good? No. 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 It is not basically good. Are human beings, therefore, basically good? No. No. Do human beings have, because we're made in the image of God? Now, here's an important distinction. Because human nature, I believe, is totally depraved. But I also believe all human beings are made in the image of a perfect, loving God. So... Where's the distinction? How do we reconcile those things? Human nature is not basically good. Are human beings, regardless of their belief system, because they're made in the image of the one true God, capable, though, of, at times of basic goodness? Yes. Yes. Amen. Yes. Now, it's different. Okay? We are capable of acts of basic goodness. But to be basically good means at the core, at the base. What's the, what is it? You know, a word means what its root word means. You're going to hear us say that a lot when we do these Theology Thursdays, no matter what the topic is. A word means what its root word means. 
Like, what does discipline mean? Well, what's the root word of discipline? Disciple. Disciple. That's what it means, to be a disciple of something. That's what it means. Okay? When Jesus says, no one is good but God, what's the root word of good? God. That's the root word of good. That's, that's the root word. So, a word means what its root word means. What is the root word of basically? Basic. Basic. Means, and, and, and the root, and, and, or base. At the base, at the heart of a human being, are we good? No. We're sinners. If we were basically good, we would not need a God or a Savior. Yes. We could, we could save ourselves. But because we're not basically good, we can't save ourselves. Now, are we capable of goodness? Yeah. Absolutely, we're capable of goodness. It's despite our base nature. Yes. Yeah. If that's a reflection of the Imago Dei within each of us. It's a reflection of God's goodness. Yes. Yeah. But we are not basically good. We, we cannot overcome what evil lies within each and every one of us on our own. We can't. All right. And that's the problem with human tradition. Is it is its basis? It Todd would say as a Catholic, our our emphasis on tradition is inspired by how how the church has applied the divine the divinely inspired word of God, right? Yes. Okay. Not we just kind of sat around one day and and thought these are good ideas. Let's just let's let's keep these. Meaning this is this is how when when. This is how Aquinas took the notion from the scriptures of what of God's revealed law and and theorized what came to be known as natural law and that tradition although it is credited to Aquinas it was not inspired by him right that's Correct. the distinction you guys would draw in, in the Catholic Church right Paul is not having that argument he is saying these are your ideas these are like when liberals get together and decide the Constitution has a good ideas clause. Okay? That's what he's saying. That's human tradition. This is what, this is what you think God is. What you, in other words, this is when you guys sit around at your Bible study and ask each other, what's this mean for you? That's what Paul is saying. No. No, that's, that's not. Don't do that. Those are bad ideas. So... You don't want to, it, it, empty deceit, it comes from human tradition because human nature is not basically good. He also says to avoid the elemental spirits of the world. Because the same Paul who writes this letter to the church in Colossae has also written a letter to the church in Rome. And in that letter or epistle, if you've ever wondered, what's that word mean? That's a stained glass window word. It just means letter. That's what it means. In that letter, in that epistle Paul writes to Rome, he describes the state of the world because of sin. And he says, all creation groans or is tainted or suffers from the stain of human sin. Why? Because what's the first commandment God gave to Adam and Eve after they were made and brought together? What's the first thing he told them to do? You're in charge of the world. Go have a lot of sex. That was his initial mission. 
His initial plan directive to them was, you guys are in charge, and now I need you to have a lot of sex because we need people, more you, people. You need to put out your official Cliff Notes version of the Bible because I don't think people have quite read it that way before. But that's is, am I, if, yeah. it, yes. I'm again. I'm trying to. I'm trying to frame it in a way that reaches the broadest audience right. possible in a broadcasting right. platform. But when we remove all of the stained glass window words, is that an accurate? I'm asking. Is that an accurate summation? Yeah, you boss. guys are in charge. Go and mate. That was his initial plan. That was the initial commandment, right? It is true. Okay. Um, so they're put in charge. Did they follow God's law? No. And so what happens when the people that are in charge do bad? What happens to everything beneath them? It's tainted. Like, look at scandals in America today. Look at companies like, um, I've used this one before. I'll use it again. Enron. One of the most famous corporate scandals in American history, right? Or Lehman Brothers, you know, companies like that. Do you think every secretary, administrative assistant, broker at the Missoula, Montana branch of uh, of Lehman Brothers was crooked? No, probably not. Does it matter? No, they all lost their jobs anyway. Why? Because the people in charge were crooks. And as we like to say in the secular world, the the poo runs where uphill. Down. Downhill runs downhill, <laughs> right? That's that's the that's the secular uh, jive talk version of uh, the Lord has created the world on the principle of headship. That's another way of putting that. That's why Jesus says to beware the yeast of the Pharisees. Who were they? They were the leaders. If the leaders went bad, they would then do what? Teach good stuff or bad stuff? Bad stuff. Bad leaders will teach bad stuff, which, and then once they teach, who are they teaching the bad stuff to? The people underneath them. And thus they're making them what? Bad or good? Bad. Yeah. That's what he means. The conversation you and I had about what's going on with the American uh, diocese in the opening segment of the show. Mm-hmm. All right. And asking them to take a leadership position. That's, that, that goes right in line with this conversation. Yes. And so, and what that means is, to use the, put that in a contemporary story version, it doesn't matter how mad Todd Erzin is on a, on a large national platform as a Catholic. And it doesn't matter how frustrated Matt Walsh is on, a, on, a, on his own large national platform as a Catholic. And there is tons, tons of Catholics with national media platforms, right and left right now, by the way, who are pretty ticked off about this right now, yes. right? It doesn't make a difference. What do I mean it doesn't make a difference? It's... It, they're wrong. Whether they're wrong to be upset at their church, but it won't it won't change anything their church does or doesn't do until the leadership acts. Because you're not in a leadership position. You're not. And there's Matt Walsh or anybody else who I, who is a Catholic on the right or the left who is upset at the church's handling of these current sex abuse allegations and confirmations because they're not in a position to act. They're not the leaders, and so. So you guys could all gather together, you and, and, and other left-of-center Catholics who would disagree on a million things, and you guys could all gather together with one voice, unified as a cacophony, in, in concert, harmonizing, this evil can't be allowed to stand if the shepherds won't move. I applaud you for doing it. You're doing the right thing. You're using your voice, but... It, but there's, that's the difference between audience and influence. Unless you're influencing the, the leadership to move, 
it won't make a difference. That's what, that's what we're saying here, okay? When the leadership goes bad, it takes everything else down with it. If in the middle of today's show, the FBI stormed into the doors, confiscated my laptop, and found kitty porn on it, Todd and Aaron may, may have, be in the midst of vows of perpetual chastity that they have lived out perfectly. Do you guys have jobs tomorrow? Nope. 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 Why? Because who show? what's the name on the, behind my shoulder? What's it say? The Steve Dace Show. And you found kitty porn on Steve Dace's computer. So guess what happens to the Steve Dace Show? That's what happens. It, 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 that's the way it works. And so Adam and Eve are given what's called biblically dominion. That's just a nice way of saying they're in charge. Okay. Another stained glass window word. One of our listeners sent me a note imploring me to explain the big words we use more often. And she was exactly right. We need to do that more often. Okay. So the theological term they're given is dominion, but it just means they're put in charge. God says, I've made you in my image from you, from your joining together. What does joining together mean? They're going to hold hands and magic babies. No, they're going to have sex a lot. Sex. That's what they're going to do. Have sex. So kids would come. Okay. And because um, I, I know some of you lose it if I even address anatomical terms. Yep. I'm like, how did you have your children? You know, like when you went into the operating room, did you say to the doctor, hey, can you not use that term? I'm really offended here. Okay. So they needed to get joined together, as my wife likes to put it. Uh, uh, slot B needed to be ins- inserted into tab A or the other way around, right? They're in charge. And from them will come the other little munchkins, human beings made in God's image from them. But then they go bad. And so now since they're in charge, they have, and their descendants have stained all of this creation now. And that's why Paul writes to the church in Rome, it groans, it suffers under this weight And so that St. Paul is saying, don't automatically trust things that even sound plausible or good when they come from human beings, because human beings are not basically good. And be very hesitant to buy into what the current cultural sentiment, zeitgeist, prevailing wind, popularity, the elemental spirits of this world, as he describes it here in Colossians. Be very leery of that. Look at our own culture today. What are some of the main prevailing winds of the culture today? Climate change, progressivism, yes, all-encompassing. Yeah, yeah. postmodernism, yes. yes. Okay, absolutely. And boy, they sound good and smart. Some really smart-looking and attractive-looking, charming people are peddling this, and it's the doctrine of demons. Basically, that's what Paul is saying. These are, you know, the prettiest snakes are usually the most poisonous. That's what Paul is saying. These are the, it sounds great, but it's the doctrine of, of demons. Reject it. Don't fall prey to it. Instead, keep your eye on the prize. All right? For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Now, I'm going to stop there because I'm struggling with the word all. You guys. I was homeschooled, so I'm kind of an authority on vocabulary. (laughs) (laughs) 
By yeah. all means. Do you want to know what it means? Yeah, what's all mean? What does it mean? All. <laughs> He's trying to trust my chain, but it's, it's connected to it. Okay. <laughs> to a mic drop, and it's, it is literally bolted to his desk. <laughs> I can't make in tables, and I know that's not going to work. You're the master carpenter. Why'd you think that was going to fly? Um, yeah, all means. You guys ready? This is today's big idea. Write this down. In the original Greek, all means all. Not separation of church and state. It, it doesn't mean, know. It, it means all. That's mm. what it means. Damn. We're getting in the weeds now. Yeah, man. man. I know it doesn't get any more complicated than a single syllable word that's only three letters, right? That's really getting nitpicky. We're really getting, uh, you know, into the weeds here. We're, we're, we are looking at the lint in our navels right now. But it, it says, let me read it again, all. That's- so, like, does that mean that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is... Is is God? Is it's that- what it means. What? He's in charge. He is the ruler. And he says this himself. He says this later on in the book of Revelation. Uh, he says this in the letters that he is having the Apostle John write to the churches of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And Jesus says, he refers to himself as the, quote, ruler of God's creation. He is in charge. The Great Commission, you know, they had uh, that poll earlier this year, that a majority of Christians didn't know what the Great Commission was. That's 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 disappointing. I mean, it's like our number one charge when you say you're a believer. But um, Jesus, you know, we 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 leave out often, or we forget, or overlook the part where, as He is commissioning these, who does who's in charge? The one who receives the commission or the one granting the commission? Who's usually in the chain of command higher in the hierarchy there? Granting. The one granting the commission, right? Because you only can grant a commission if you have what? Authority. Authority, power. yeah. The one, the one granting the commission. The commissionee is not the authority in the relationship, folks. The commissioner is. And as he is commissioning them, Jesus says, a good deal of the authority has been granted to me. You'll run into some things though I haven't really thought of yet. Kind of do your best, you know, and do the math on your own and just try to make it work. Is that what he says? No? No, he said all or most or some, some days, kind of. No, all authority under heaven and earth, Jesus says, has been granted to me. This is why I have the authority to commission you. All. All authority. All. More in a moment. Back here live on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV. Hey, if you have some time today, if you're listening to the podcast version on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, 
uh, Spotify at all, if you could leave us one of those five-star reviews, we sure would appreciate that. Now, you may be thinking, I, I can't stand you, bro. That's okay. I mean, it's not like we haven't given you reasons to come to that conclusion. But if that's you, maybe don't say anything. I wouldn't tell you to lie. I might just tell you to keep it quiet. But if you do like us, we would greatly appreciate those five-star reviews. The more of those that show up on those podcasting platforms, the more likely people are to check out our podcast. Uh, And then the same goes if you could click that subscribe button. Even if you don't have time to leave us a review today, just click and subscribe. The more people that uh, see uh, subscriptions piling up for these podcasts, uh, the more likely they are to try it. I mean, I'm a podcast, uh, you know, consumer myself. And when I'm looking for something with a subject matter that I'm interested in at the time, if if I'm looking for something new, my my default is just to kind of go with, well, this person's built themselves an audience. They got to have some credibility or entertainment value in this area. So uh, that definitely helps us out. Thank you to all of you. Thousands of you have done both of those things already. We thank you very much uh, here on behalf of everybody at the Steve Dace Show. All right, let's get back to some Theology Thursday. We are getting back into the study of Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, otherwise known as Colossians, uh, that we started several months ago. And we're kind of, we're, we're going back a few verses to kind of help set the tone for why we chose to go through this book. So Paul is warning believers to, to, to keep your eye on the prize. Stay on target. Luke Skywalker and the Death Star Church kind of thing. Now, don't get distracted by the latest prevailing winds of the culture, or popular sentiment, things that sound good but come from uh, human beings that reject God's mercy and grace, and therefore uh, they are giving these things to you to lure you into doing the same, okay? Um, Paul says, In Christ you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. Now, what is circumcision? The simplest explanation of circumcision, and Paul addresses you, Paul uses the metaphor of circumcision frequently in his, in his letters, otherwise known as epistles throughout the New Testament, which would make sense because Paul himself is a Jewish scholar, very well versed. Uh, and even though all of the original apostles were Jews, none of them were of, of, of the level of learned scholarship. Peter was a fisherman, for example. None of them were of the learned scholarship of, of Paul. Paul would have taught men like Peter and John um, in Hebrew school when they were younger. So he is speaking with authority here. And he, and he frequently likes to link the Old and New Testaments because he, that's his perspective. Paul is a Jew who believes Yeshua is the Messiah, not the, not the abandonment of the law, the abolishing of the law, the fulfillment, not the replacement of the law, the fulfillment of it. He is the fulfillment of it. It comes full circle now. The fullness of God's plan, things that previous eras wondered about and weren't sure about, the fullness in Paul's mind, the fullness of the puzzle comes into focus now through Christ. And so circumcision is is an outward physical display of faith. I don't think I probably have to to tell everybody what it is physically. I think we kind of know that, right? I think there's anybody in the audience that doesn't know what it is. 
what it is. They'll physically. be offended if you tell them anything. Anyway. <laughs> certain people, not the entire. Certain people. There he goes talking about it again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Stop saying that word. But but from a spiritually, it is it is a it is an outward sign of of worship that that I belong to a covenantal community different from everybody else, and it it's kind of hard to make a statement. Bolder, brasher, and more blatant and vivid of your differentness than volunteering to have the foreskin of your own penis removed. That's that's not just a garment, you know. That's that's not just uh, let me wear this tassel around town. How about this gown? You know, I'm not. Uh, I'll, I'll, this necklace. That's a. That's a bold move, Cotton. All right. I mean, you want to you want to make a real statement that you belong to a community, a covenantal community, different than every other covenantal people on earth. That'll get her done, Todd. Don't you think? Well, dare I say it's being a captive to your faith? Yes. Use that word. Uh, see to it that no one takes you captive. Well, uh, it's not that he doesn't want you to be a captive to anything at all. He, he and this is why in Paul's epistles, it's not just a rhetorical flourish. It's so striking. He calls himself a slave to Christ. It's because if you aren't a slave to me, you are going to be yeah. a slave to something. So yep. he, he does these things to make you captive, to make you obviously captive. And so here Paul is saying that the old circumcision was an outward sign of your faith in the one true God. Um, you as a Christian— are circumcised differently in that you you don't forego one sensitive piece of skin of your most sensitive organ on your body. You forego your whole body. You give it all up. You are a new creation. One of the most powerful scenes in Mel Gibson's The Passion is Christ is carrying the cross to Calvary and his mother, this is where he falls, he collapses, he can't carry the weight physically anymore and his mother rushes to his aid to try to provide him some mercy, some nurturing and he looks at her and what does he say? Look mother, I make all things new. I am all things new. This, this, Paul writes in another epistle it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, the hope of glory. Actually, I think it might be in this epistle now that I think about it. Okay? That you behold, the old. I'm a new creation. The old has gone away. Okay? And so this is now a not an allegory. It's a happening. It's not a metaphor. It's an event. You are a different person now. And at the same time, you're becoming a different person. Because if you had fully arrived as this new creation, would you have to be warned before Paul points out your new creation here that you've been circumcised differently? Baptism is an external... See, this is what's interesting. Baptism doesn't cause you to be saved. Baptism is an external acknowledgement that you have been. Just as circumcision didn't cause you in the Old Testament to be saved. It was an outward acknowledgement that you that that you were that you, by faith you were going to follow God's law. 
what's interesting here is is Paul is is using baptism in the way circumcision, the physical circumcision was was previously used. Baptism is a sign of your new life. But if you had full, the, see the, the the struggle a lot of people have with Christianity is that is the paradox of it. That and and the reason Christianity is paradoxical is because it is relational. It's not a system. It's not do these four or five things and God will be pleased with you. It's not keep these these traditions and God will be pleased with you. In Islam, they have what are called the five pillars. You make the Hajj to Mecca, alms to the poor. Um, you uh, you recite the Quran. I can't remember what the other two are, um, but. That's a system. Christianity is a relationship. And think of your relationship with your spouse. How long have you guys been married, Todd? It is going on 17. Okay. The day you married your wife, did you fully, did you, let me put it a different way. From what you understood about the love she needed and required of you at that ah, time. I see, sure. Did you fully love her that day? Yes, as much as I could, absolutely. Would you say you love her more and better now, 17 yes, years yeah, later than you did? I was jumping ahead, yes. That's the paradoxical nature of Christianity. That's because that's, that's how relationships work. I thought I loved Amy on April 5th, 1997. And if we could go back and talk to younger Stevie then, that day, first of all, he'd weigh about 200 more pounds. Okay, because I was living large, bro, like Bismarcky large. Okay, so there'd be that. You'd be like, whoa, hey, who ate Steve Dace? Oh, Steve Dace did. That'd be your first reaction. The other thing would be if you asked me that day, well, we had to bobby pin my tuxedo pants because that's how large we were living. So there's a paradoxical tension of Christianity where things are because Jesus just said or, or Paul just said Jesus has all authority. Yet, he has all authority, but do we live in a world that has accepted the fullness of his authority at the same time? Do we live in that world? No. No. So there's this paradoxical tension. Jesus has all authority. He alone can lay down his life and has the power to pick it back up again, as he says in the Gospel of John. But the, but, the, but the creation has yet to accept and or receive the fullness of all the authority that he has. That's the paradoxical nature of a relationship. Things are and not yet at the same time, while they're also becoming that at the same time, all at the same time. So the day you married your wife, you were her husband. You were the best husband you thought you could be at that time. You, 17 years later are a better husband than you were that day. And then for the 17 years in between that day and now, you were also becoming the better husband that you think you are now. You see what I'm saying with mm-hmm. this? This is the paradoxical nature of Christianity. That's the difference between, and, and by the way, Christianity is a religion. That, that's one of the things that annoys me. It's not a religion. It's really, no, it is a religion. It's religion, guys. It, it's got creeds and dogmas and traditions. It, it's got all the earmarks. If it looks like a religion and quacks like a religion, it's a religion. Christianity is a religion. The difference is it's a religion based on a relationship. That's the difference. It's not whether it's a religion or a relationship. Yes, 
It's like the seminarian question, is God imminent or transcendent? Uh, Yes, the answer is both. It is a religion predicated based upon a relationship. That's what makes it different from every other religious system. And to make your point even more forcefully, thank goodness it is a religion. Because if it wasn't, and I know you all out there will uh, recognize this, if it wasn't a religion, uh, the thing that is the most important thing about the religion, that it is a relationship, would be constantly taken out of whack by those who say, "Um, don't judge me, I have my own personal relationship with Mm -hmm. Jesus, and that personal relationship with Jesus uh, looks no different than worshiping Aphrodite or whoever. So uh, there, there's a paradoxical tension. Granted, or organized religion also will do that, if not, but something organized needs to take place if you do not want utter chaos. And I, Steve, uh, was uh, that's an important point that Steve made. I've said this many times, and I'm going to keep going back to this as well on on this topic. It is it is a religion, religion, but the relationship. It, this is not people. People really want. Because it's easy, and we all want this at, at some points in our lives, and probably battle it every day. Uh, we want things to be cut and dried. We want to know, okay, how do I how do I do this? How do I maintain my rela- relationship with God today? Mm-hmm. Um, I need to do this, 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 and this, and then my relationship is no. That's not how relationships work. If you guys, and I'm not even married yet, and I know this. Uh, if you guys just have a box to check of of things that your wife needs or that you think uh, she needs. Uh, they can tell that it's not real. It's not. It's, that's not real. A relationship is not a science. It's not even an art. Uh, a relationship is an animal all of its own. Yep. And we need to remember that every single day. That this is this has to grow organically. And this is not um, um, some sort of esoteric, really ethereal thing. No, it's organic growth. Yes. But it takes effort. <laughs> um, it takes effort at the same time. Yeah, effort. Now, I love the use of that word because in every other religious system, effort means effort denotes your constant striving to make sure your status within the religion is secure. Effort means something else within Christianity. Yes. Effort means your your willingness to grow deeper in the relationship because your status has been secured. That is a key distinction. Effort in Christianity is I grow deeper in this relationship because of what Christ did for me at the cross. I could not do for myself to secure my eternal destiny. And out of love and recognition for that, I want to know him more and better. In every other religious system, effort means I don't know if I've done enough to, to make up for the bad that I have done, and I need to strive to, to, to work out, to make sure that the math, the ledger's not read. Those are two totally different things. You were fully your wife's husband on day five, one second after you said, I do. Mm-hmm. You were fully her husband. Fully. What's made you a better husband is that over time, that relationship has grown deeper. And therefore, because of the, the intimacy of that relationship, you now have a, you've grown deeper in the knowledge and understanding of, of, of how she desires and needs you to love her and more appreciative of how she's done the same for you 
That's the organic efforting and growth of a relationship Aaron was just describing. And, and the reason I'm using so many marriage analogies to describe Christianity is how, is, how does Paul often, what's the, what's, the, what's the metaphor he uses throughout the New Testament to do the exact same? Bridegroom and bride. Yes, that Christ does the same himself. And that's because the most intimate relationship we can have within the human construct is what? A husband and a wife. It's the most intimate one you can have. And even though it pales in comparison to the, to the relationship between created and creator, in our human finite mind, it's the closest level of intimacy, depth, and sacrifice we can come to on this fallen earth to even begin to understand the cosmic level of, of union between God and his creation. Okay, and that's why the, the scriptures use that metaphor to try to make it as simple for us to understand in our finite minds as we can. And I'm trying to kind of follow suit here in this conversation today as well. If if you heard that last three or four minutes from Steve, really heard it with ears to hear and eyes to see, uh, whether you are Catholic or whether you are Protestant, what you have been hearing this whole time is a proper discussion of faith versus works without ever mentioning that construct. It is all embedded in there. And you, it, whenever you do take that on in the future, it should be so much easier for you. I've said this on the show before, but since we have a new audience, it, it, it bears repeating. So often when either side uh, takes that up, it, it ultimately turns into an argument, how many angels can dance on the head of the pin? You are not talking about relationship. You are just doing some sort of mathematical equation. Steve has been laying it out painstakingly without ever making an idol of that which so many of us have it mu- that notion must be, be embedded within relationship and once it is uh it just becomes music it becomes poetry but it's also yeah it's not a it's not it's a tangled web yes yes i mean but it, that's it, music and poetry yes. it's it's highs yep. it's lows there's yes. a there's a bridge there's a chorus yes. yeah sometimes the words rhyme and sometimes they don't right. sometimes sad songs say so much yes. and sometimes it's it's got a good beat and you can dance to it right all right, great stuff, guys. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.